Blog Talk Radio. All right, I also encourage everybody to use the YouTube comments tonight. We'll be referring to those as well um, as we go through the show. And um, you guys posting comments on YouTube will have your say as well. But let's begin tonight in a familiar place on this show in the 941, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Hi, Gary. It's the Mikester Kane. What's up, Mr. Mikester? How are you doing tonight? Uh, well, pretty good. Uh, not too bad. Uh, just uh, a couple things I want to want to talk about. Well, first, importantly, is uh, I'm in Port Charlotte, as most of the people on the show already know. We've got hit by the hurricane, and uh, we sustained a lot of damage and cleanup to do. And uh, if we can uh, get some help, we could get a, we could use all the help we can get. So you know, I'm just want to put a shout out to the show. If you're in the 305 or the 94. 954, I mean, or wherever you are, and if you can, please come down and help us out, whether it's cleaning up or tarping a roof or maybe, you know, just donating food or helping FEMA as a volunteer. You know, don't be afraid to step up and help out. There's a lot of work that we've got to get done here So and help in this uh, uh, recovery here. Thanks, Canes Nation. And if you're wondering, I did get some damage. The right soffit on the garage came off. Some shingles came off my roof but not many we had some down trees but my pool cage stayed intact a, a few rips in the screen cuts like somebody cut it like a knife but uh all in all no broken windows nor st- no storm surge or flooding from massive rainfall and as a matter of fact my pool cage got cleaned by a massive car wash so there you go <laughs> that's one positive thing i can say on the show tonight now everybody out there Back to the, you know, back to the real world here. But everybody out there needs to listen and understand the situation. And I I know this loss is frustrating and it sucks to lose by a field goal after rallying later in the game. But please, don't throw Mario and the coaching staff under the bus. Because I can tell everyone that there's still a long way to go and an awful lot of work to do. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if this turns out to be a win-some-lose-some season again. There's still a lot of issues with depth, injuries, shoddy talent evaluation, and bad recruiting. I said last spring and summer that a 10-2 season was possible, but it wasn't a guarantee. If a key player or two gets hurt, like Xavier or, or uh, Eliza Arroyo, that could possibly be a difference between a 10-2 and two record and a win-some-lose-some season. Yes, and I include myself, we're all hungry for a great season with a high AP poll and coaches ranking in the polls. But folks out there, we all need to understand that this is not an overnight wave-the-magic-wand fix. If you believe that, then you live in Alice in Wonderland. I hate to tell you that. I used to coach this game, and I know for a fact but those are the best players on the field right now. There's not all that much the coaching staff can do except do the best they can to salvage the season and get us to a bowl game. 
it's going to be a three or four years process, maybe longer. Now, Howard Snellenberger, his team lost to FAMU in the fourth game in 1979. Look what happened in 83. Well, he won it all. So, gang, I can tell you this. Rome was not built in a day. So your thoughts, Gary? Well, I I think that, you know, Rome was not built in a day is a good philosophy. But like I said before, Mikester, that – they could, I mean, they could have won these games. I mean, there's no excuses. Um, and they're going to have an opportunity to win every game going forward. And I'll even throw Clemson in there. I mean, I, you know, obviously that's going to be a tough, a tough out going on the road to Clemson. And their chances of winning are, are not going to be great. But, but uh, you know, they're not like so – they're not overmatched in these games. And if they had played a little bit better and hadn't shot themselves in the foot – so much they absolutely could have won these games. So uh, oh, I'm not making excuses. What you well, say? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not making excuses either. I, I'm, but you know, I'm just saying, you know, with 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 this uh, with this with this roster here, Gary, it, it seems like there's a lot of inconsistency. It seems like you know, you know, there's there's blown blocking assignments, uh, receivers running the wrong routes. Or blown coverages, you know, not being on the same page defensively, you know, that's that's how I look at it. I think there's a lot of beating yourself. I mean, what ha- what's been going on in, in the secondary is just inexcusable. I mean, those yeah. guys collectively. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, they they have, and you know, I'm not big on throwing under the bus and stuff, but those guys collectively as a unit have failed this football team. I, I mean, you shouldn't give up six plays like that in an entire season in two seasons. I mean, they've given up six in, in two weeks against middle Tennessee and North Carolina. And uh, absolutely. You could point to that being the reason they lost both those games. I, I, I mean, you know, a lot of attention was on the interceptions early in the middle Tennessee game, but they really lost that game because of the four deep balls that they gave up. And same thing the other day. I mean, there'll be attention on, you know, Hey, couldn't run the ball. Um, but you know, the defense coming out a little slow, that kind of stuff. But I mean, they lost that game because of those two pass plays in my opinion. And, uh, yeah. And I'm not blaming the coaches because I know the coaches have been working hard on it. And, you know, maybe they got a little bit blindsided against Middle Tennessee. I mean, I can understand if you haven't gone through the wars with saying, I'm, you know, DJ Ivy's to me is having a really good season, but uh, he had no business being matched in man coverage against that receiver from Middle Tennessee the other day. And, uh, you know, he gave up. Yeah. And then you put a true freshman in the game, Jaden Harris. And and he's in a similar matchup, and and he gets torched too, uh, you know. So those were yeah. flawed. That was all flawed, obviously. And you know, Kevin Steele's had a couple tough moments as a coordinator, no question. Uh, but um, I can't make you know. There, there's no excuses this past week. I mean, you know, you're talking about basic cover two coverage. I mean, if you play football, yeah. even in youth leagues, you play cover two, Mikester. Oh yeah, of course. You know, and you got to be on the same page. I mean, when I when I saw that deep ball, I mean, I was in in the front row, uh, second second uh, tier, second or third tier, I think it's the third tier, front row, section three forty three. 
I was right there when that passed when when uh God, what's his name? I think it's Cam Kitchens. You know, he, he got burned by uh, Downs, I think it was, and they were on the three-yard line. They were pinned deep in their own territory, the three-yard line, okay? And I saw Tyreek Stevenson go right in his face and just yell at him. I, I was hearing what he was – I couldn't hear the words that he was saying, but he was yelling at him. He was yelling and screaming at him as if they weren't on the same page, you know? And I think that's been an issue in these past three games, Gary is those two aren't on the same page defensively. I mean, who's got who? What what assignment do you have? I mean, you know, come on, jeez. You know, you you got to be on the same page. Well, I mean, you know, the safety, if he's got the deep zone, has got to be there. I mean, the receiver is going yeah. to get released, you know, to that zone. I mean, every single time. You know, so it's gotta be look, it, it is what it is. Obviously, you know, they need to get this figured out here pretty quickly. Right, right, Gary. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go for now. Um, I got to get to bed early. I got my surgery coming up tomorrow. So, uh, you yeah, know, best of luck to you with that. Oh, thanks. Thank, thanks a lot, you know, especially with the hurricane. And now this I got to go through. So I'll be all right. Okay, I'll keep you guys posted. Thanks, Kane's name. Right, we expect we expect to hear you first on the show again next week. Exactly. I will do my best. All right. All right, Mike. You got it, man. All right. We're all with, we're all with you. Have a great night. Thanks. All right, 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550 is the number. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out to the 845 now. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, how you doing this week? Hey, how you doing, Greg? Welcome back to the show. Okay, I don't know where to start, but uh, oh, by the way, uh, you, your buddy Bruce on the show the other night, the recap show, saying we have no D tackles. Our two highest ranked players this week were D tackles, Jackson and Taylor. So what, what the hell is he talking about? And do we really need to play six defensive tackles? Why aren't those two playing the bulk of the game? Is this you know, like everyone gets I, I've been screaming that all year, Greg. It, it's ridiculous. I've been screaming I mean, all year. I, I don't disagree. Uh, you know, you're, you're already talking about a team that's not real deep, that doesn't have elite talent. To me, the best players must be on the field, on, on defense. And, and uh, you know, I'm not sure that's always been the case. And, and sometimes they're getting caught, like they're trying to substitute them back in in a running situation. But if, if the other team doesn't substitute and they're going up tempo, they don't have time to get them on the field. So they're getting caught sometimes on critical plays without their best players on, on the field. And uh, I haven't seen anybody – uh, leaving the field exhausted yet this season. Um, so if, if, if I were being con- uh, counseled, I mean, that would be one suggestion I would make is on the defensive side of the ball, up front, you know, more Jackson, more Taylor. Uh, Messedorf seemed to play a little bit more the other day, but I still think he should be playing even more. I know he's kind of been banged up at, at different times this year. Uh, Agude looked very, very good to me. Um, I know they like Jafari Harvey a lot, but, you know, you can't play everybody all the time. And, and, and I just think that the guys that are performing the best need to be out there more. 
uh, and you know you don't need to play as many guys as they're playing. Um, you know, I love seeing Nigel Lee Kelly get experience right now and all that, but when you're in a tight game, I'm not sure that's the time, man. I mean, it, it's like I'm I'm just not sure it's the time. I don't. Uh, but look, I mean, he's going to be a very good player. But is he Mesador now? Um, is he a Gude now? I don't I don't know that. Is he Jafari Harvey now? Does he have that physicality and strength? I mean, I don't know that I could say that. And um, I would like to see them tighten it up a little bit rotation-wise on the defensive line. I think it would make the defense better. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, have you seen any improvement in the offensive line, the mirror ball and crystal ball, and this Aaron Fell, the strength coach? We can't punch it in from the two-yard line? Well, what is that about? What, what the hell is – every other team not, can punch it in. What, what, I, have, I thought we were well-conditioned. We're strong. What, what's going on, Gary? Greg, I have my theory on that. Um, you know, my feeling was that the Texas A&M game was really, really physical, and those guys came out of that game really beat up. And they're not used to that. Um you know, that was not a level of physicality that we had seen in this program. I can't remember how long. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, uh, you know, hats off to them and the way they competed and the way they played. They ran for 171 yards, I believe, in that game. Were very physical. Um, A&M had more depth than Miami had that night, and uh, it showed after the game. And uh, I think that there was a hangover from all that soreness and pain. I really do in the middle Tennessee game. And I think that they went into that game with the mindset that we do not have to play as hard as we played last time. And we don't have to hurt as much as we, as much as we hurt last time. And this was kind of like a vacation week. And before they knew it, they, they were down and they were spotting those guys, like I said, 38 points and they never were able to flick the switch and really get it going. And um, that's what I think happened there. I, you know, I know people are, There'll be some guys that'll be out there yelling, oh, Gary's making excuses. I'm not making excuses. I'm trying to come up with an explanation for what we're seeing. And, um, you know, last week they lose two starters after already being down one starter. Is this offensive line deep enough to withstand three injuries? I don't know, man. I I, I mean, uh, I would say maybe not, (laughs) you know, and – so I think there's a lot of things contributing. I think the running backs are not, you know, they're beat up. I don't think they're having a, a great season. Even in the Texas A&M game, they had 171 yards. I thought Parrish was spectacular, ran real hard. But there was one play where Knighton missed the cut. He had a walk-in touchdown that might have made a massive difference in that game. And he missed the cut and got tackled by the, by the shoelaces. And uh, so he's not having a very good season, I'll tell you that. Uh, I wouldn't even say he's 50% of what he, what he was last year. Um, I'm sure being hurdled is contributing to that, but, um, you know, he is not the same Jalen Knighton. And so you put it all together with a team that just doesn't have any margin of error, and I think you got what you're seeing. All right. My last point. Mario's supposed to be such a great recruiter, okay? Where are all the great players in the NFL from Oregon under Mario Cristobal? Where are they, Gary? Well, I think you got to remember that 
really his first Harvard, his first true class, Greg, is is this year, and to a little bit of an extent last year. Uh, you know, if you're talking about guys that he recruited into that program, I mean, so you know, I think you, you know, I haven't taken a tally. Quite honestly, I've not looked. I could not care less uh, how many Oregon players are getting drafted right now, um, but. I know their team is pretty good, and I know they got destroyed by Georgia, but since then, they've been pretty good under a new coaching staff that inherited all, their, all the talent that Mario left behind, and uh, they're certainly further along than Miami is right now, and uh, I don't think I would be looking to poke holes in Mario, uh, Greg. I mean, Mario is the hope for this Miami program right now, okay? Uh, he is the guy that's got to get this done, and... Uh, you know, I get it. We're all we all like to be critics. Uh, when 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 games aren't being won, we all want to you know scapegoat people and point fingers and all that. Uh, I wouldn't point him at Mario Cristobal. He is absolutely the right guy to be leading this program. It is going to take some time. You hope it takes two, three years at Oregon. He went from four and eight team that he inherited in two years. They won the Rose Bowl. Okay, so it can be done in two years. He had Justin Herbert as his quarterback. Well, here he's got Tyler Van Dyke, who's not Justin Herbert, but who's a pretty good quarterback. Hopefully, you know, if it becomes necessary to go to Jake Garcia, his development continues. You've got Jaden Rashada coming into the program next year, uh, Emery Williams. So there's quarterbacks. There's a chain of quarterbacks that are lining up to be in this program. Um, they're not Justin Herbert. We're not going to say that yet. Uh, you hope that Tyler Van Dyke can continue to develop. Uh, I think it's looking fairly obvious that he is going to have to come back next year. Uh, we don't know what that's going to mean for Jake. Uh, but, um, look, I mean, it, it comes down to recruiting, Greg. Uh, they are recruiting like maniacs. It is a huge priority. And uh, they're doing relatively well to this point. It seems like the guys that they have committed right now are holding together. Uh, will that stick for another two months, 100%? You know, I don't know, but, uh, but right now they're saying the right things. They're, they're, they're uh, reaffirming their commitments. They're showing up down here for games. Uh, so you can feel good about that at least. I know the losing stinks, but I think you can feel pretty good about that. All right, just remember, we were picked to win the Coastal this year. I know that. <laughs> so if, we lose the, if, if we lose the Clemson, North Carolina has to lose three games. Three games. I know. That's I know. Not it's not happening, Greg. That was a big loss the other day. No argument. All right, well, man. Thank you for being part of the show. As always, appreciate you participating. Uh, 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Uh, let's go out now to the 757. You are live on King Sport Live. <laughs> well, if it ain't old Gary, the man that always got to throw the kitchen sink at people. Hey, Gary, let me tell you something, man. I don't care about all this loss. All I care about is how you come down and say Tyler Van Dyke is the best player on the team. Not even close in hell. We ain't got a best player on the team. And you always jump on other people, but you never really dog him. Let me say something. 500 yards, he shouldn't have been no player of the week. I mean, the ACC did it. So he had a decent game. But, man, I am so sick of this crap. He's okay. He's showing his color. 
He's showing everything. Our offense ain't good. Wide receivers ain't good. And the young boy, Jacoby or whatever, came off, not Jacoby, uh, the boy, the Juco came off the bench for the TD. It ain't, it ain't, it's not the players. We played five games, right, Gary? Out of all them games, only one team pulled that had more talent than Miami. That would be Texas A&M. Everybody else execute better than us. So what y'all been seeing in practice? Why they not taking it into the game? Now, I know they banged up. You're going to give them that. But it seemed like after the Texas A&M game and all Kane's nation and everybody should hear the truth, it's like the sales just left. Everything done left the building. What the hell is going on? After Texas A&M, they played good. We had real hope of being decent. Now we got to go to Blacksburg. I've been up there a couple times. You've been there. They start rattling them damn keys and stuff. Nobody want to hear that. I don't know what's going to happen, but we don't have no – Outstanding. Tyler Van Nagy is not the best player on the team. That's my opinion. I don't know how everybody else feels about it, but you know, you got your insight. And stop talking about Kitchen because he got lit up. Yeah, Kitchen got lit up, but Kitchen's been one of the best damn players in Miami this year and part of last year. So don't talk my boy Kitchen no more. Talk my boys from Northwest. I don't play them games. Got lit alone, man. Okay. If you don't dog him, you got a dog Van You need to come that them four games that he played SHPA. I ain't got to say it. Everybody knows. Go ahead and say what you got to say. I'm pissed off right now. Damn the losses. We'll be all right. But I'm mad with you because you always find a way to hit on them other players. You don't want to hit on TVT like he should be getting stomped on sometimes. So what about if he come back and play bad against Tech? What you going to say then? We're injured? Officer line? What you going to say? King Kane, if somebody plays poorly – I mean, all we can do is comment honestly about it. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not you quite sure. You try but you kill, you kill other players. You ain't never really killed TVD. Now tell me if I'm lying. If I'm lying, I'm flying. And damn, I can't fly. I'm too fat. That's for sure. I ain't no flying here. Tell them to execute. Now, you've been to practices. They're not executing in the game. Uh, damn it. The, even Bethune-Cookman, we struggle. But we blew them out. Uh, Southern Miss or whoever was we played, we struggled, but we blew them out. We got better talent than most of these teams since the Texas a and And I know y'all say we need receivers. That's a damn lie. Running back here, yeah, we banged up. i give you that. Off of the line, we banged up. But we have talent on this team. That's why I get tired of him. We got to recruit. Of course he's doing his recruiting. We got to recruit. But still, if you've got more talent than them four to five teams and you done struggle with two of them and lost to them, you struggle with everybody. Even Texas ain't nothing, but that was supposed to happen. So we, we just saying, looking like a good team. They, they, what they said against uh, the team that beat us two weeks ago, they said they didn't look like they was on the sideline. They won't amped up. Man, we need to be amped up. Well, I mean, the players need to be amped up for every game they play. Because now I'm scared. I said we'll go to the playoffs. I lost. I said we'll win the ACC. Now that y'all done through it, we got to beat Clemson. I think I'm going to lose. But damn, there's got to be light at the end of the tunnel. And ain't this year, but next year things got to be better. But I still got hope. If they can click and get it right and get some players back, I think we'll be all right. I ain't going to never shit on the game. I don't do it to the Dolphins. I don't do it to the Georgetown Hoyts. My teams are my teams. So I'm on to Nation. Greg and Meister King and ain't too much to say, man. We just got to ask you. We'll be better. It's Austin Blacksburg. New slot, new beginning. So let's make it happen. Hey, Gary, stay off my players, baby. We're going to be all right. Love you, man.
Kane, Kane, let me ask you a question. Nobody's looking to be on players, but if you're analyzing a game and guys screw up, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, but Tyler Van Dyke won't look good the first four games. You never really got on him. But you were killing kitchens. You was on kitchens. And you said TVD was the best player. He's not. Damn it, he's not. But I'll tell you what. I'm going to make a promise to you. If he's shining in Blackbird, I'm going to call you to and apologize. But, baby, if he don't shine, you better run to the hill because Kane Kane coming for you. Matter of fact, I'll fly out there, especially November 4th when we play Florida State. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm coming. I don't care if we lose all our games in that game. That game is so important to me because I can't stand FSU. I hate Ohio State, but I don't like FSU. But I can deal with this. I will be at that game. But if he does good Saturday, man, I'll leave him alone. And I will, mark my words, apologize. That's it. All right. Thanks for being part of the show as always. I don't know what you're supposed to do. Like if a guy doesn't do his job and gives up a deep ball, you, you know, it, it's like, you got to talk about it. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody likes the idea of throwing uh, anybody under the bus, but uh, big plays like that, they got to be talked about. Uh, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. We're going now to the 985. You are live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing, Steve? Gary, Swagger for Life, man. What's going on? Hey, what's up, Swagger? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay, man. Listen, <laughs> the 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 coaches during their press conferences you had on the you had on the uh, the, the website today. They, those guys look like they've been hit by a Mack truck. <laughs> I'm not buying any of this stuff about, uh, you know, the players. You know, don't get on the players. The last caller just said don't get on the players. Man, look, Tyler Van Dyke came out of his shell this week because after uh, the bye week, they made an adjustment on offense to go up-tempo. Josh Gaddis made, made an adjustment. If you know, if you go back and you watch the UNC game, you can see – what I called on the board, just this fascinating tug of war between philosophies of the coaching and what the players want to do. And the microcosm of that was that goal line stand that went nowhere three, three plays in a row. You got an up-tempo. They made the adjustment, went up-tempo. Tyler Van Dyke got his yards. They get down to the goal line on that drive. Then they go in tight. What happens when they go in tight? Three straight plays. Two linemen get hurt. First down, second down. Two linemen get hurt. All right? I mean, how does that happen? Who, who, you know, where, where is that happening in college football anywhere? It's crazy. There's a lot of things these going guys, on that are crazy, no doubt about it. These guys, look, I'll submit to you this. There is a big disparagement right now between coaching philosophy and let's call it the type of player that's on this roster. Gaddis and Cristobal don't want to run that up-tempo stuff. They didn't start out like that at the Texas A&M game or Bethune or Southern Miss before that. Philosophically, they don't want any part of that. But because they have no choice, because TBD is an up-tempo rhythm, catch them before they get, get the time to set type of quarterback, 
that's when he gets on fire type of guy. They have to do that stuff. And if you again, if you go back and watch the game, there were a couple of times during the course of the game where you could see the coaches, especially offensively, trying to go back to what they really wanted to do. At those times in the game, TVD couldn't handle it, couldn't read the defense, couldn't couldn't pick them apart. Whatever you want, whatever you want to say, I'm only going to get on the running game. So the question I've had on the board for the past few posts is Tyler Van Dyke, player of the week, 500 yards, great, wonderful. (laughs) But given his style of play, is he necessarily the best fit for this particular coaching staff at the University of Miami now? Because Mario and Gaddis don't want – the Lashley style offense. They want a power run game where they want to get physical and they want to, you know, they want to, they want to uh, control the line of scrimmage. Mario has gone back to it. If you watch his interviews, WQAM, what he said again and again and again, damn it. You got to knock people back whenever you get the opportunity. Guess what? They're not doing that. They have got to be going crazy at the Carroll Sofer Center right now with what they, I, I'd say, they know now they inherited. And here, here we go, Gary. You're going to get on me. I tend to agree, not all the way, but with most of what Matt said. <laughs> this was kidding me. the beginning as, what's that? I said, you're kidding me. And look, this was framed in the beginning of Mario was going to come in and be the savior and all that. And look, again, it should have been framed, and, and I get it. Mario's not going to – Mario's alma mater. He bleeds orange and green. He's not going to come in and say, look, this is going to, going to take a minute. But he's saying it now. He didn't say that at the beginning of the season when – you know, we were starting out, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna be a power offense and all that. He's got deer in the headlights looks right now, going, okay, this isn't what I thought it was gonna be. This is gonna take some time. <laughs> I mean, it, to me, it's just it's obvious. Kevin Steele was asked today for, on defensive side of the ball. Kevin Steele was asked today, you know, have you ever had that in your coaching career? I think you asked the question, maybe. Have you ever seen that in your coaching career? having this many deep pass plays, and I think Kevin Steele said there were six of them in the past couple of games. He said no, flat out no. Look, I know I've never seen it. Look, look, I I don't (laughs) – people are going to disagree. I don't think that there's – look, Manny Diaz ran a country club. That's not Mario. I don't think that there is a, you know, and you can call it beat up or whatever. I don't think that there is a buy-in from this roster in Mario slash Gaddis slash Steel way of doing things. I don't think there is. I think they're trying to mask it. I think they're doing the best they can on game day. But, and that's one of the reasons why I posted, I think you'll see wholesale changes come the offseason. 
And I mean, I know you laugh at that, but I'm not. I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing. I'm laughing at uh, one of our subscribers, Jason <laughs> Jay Collette, who, who made a joke on the comments. It was pretty fun. I, I just, I just don't. I just don't look. You can adjust the players all you want, but coaches, coaches, coaches have their philosophies, man. And you know as well as I, coaches don't change their coaching philosophy. They just, you know, they don't let me do that. Let me just chime in on what you're saying. You know, I, I think you're making a legit point. Um, maybe in the ideal world of Josh Gaddis and the offense he likes to run, you have maybe more of a mobile quarterback than Tyler Van Dyke. Um, you know, this is, you know, not a pure passing type of offense. I wouldn't call it that. Um, but I think he's adjusting. I mean, he threw the ball 57 times last game, uh, and it was effective. They threw 500 yards. Do you think they – do you think they run it? I mean, you said it earlier. Do you think they wanted to throw the ball 57 times? Red Lashley wouldn't have minded throwing the ball 50 to 57 times. That's his style yeah. of offense. They no, there's no way they want to do that. No chance. No, no. They want a balanced attack where they're controlling the line of scrimmage and making big plays. Now, they don't have the roster to do that because, I, I look, they just they just don't have – Difference makers out there on the field don't have them. They definitely don't. No, I mean, you've heard, me, you've heard me talk about that a lot, Swagger. I mean, the, the thing that happens is when you don't have difference makers, every game is going to be close. Mario talked about it the other day, uh, which kind of surprised me a little bit. But uh, when you don't have guys that change the game, every game is going to be close. And if you look back at even the great Miami teams, they all had close calls, but the difference was – you know, Ed Reed would make a play, or Willis McGahee would make a play, or Frank Gore would make a play, or Percy would hit Shockey, and, you, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like there's always somebody who's great there to make a play, and uh, you don't have that right now, and you're in win-some-lose-some mode. There's no, there's no other way getting around it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And look, I, I, where I, where I sat, where I kind of side again with, I'm going to call it the Shodell theory. Where I side with that is, is I don't see an issue right now with where we are at two and three, saying, okay, this is who we, what we are. Why don't we start putting in some younger guys? And they mentioned it today for the first time. Why don't we start seeing some some roles for some younger guys? to start assessing what we have on this roster so we can basically know going into the off season, you know, at least have a better picture of what, right, what so, kind of talent we've got. I'm not against So you. when you, when you and Matt go to happy hour or dinner or, whatever, or wherever <laughs> you go, wherever you go to celebrate agreeing on the issue, uh, what are you going to have to say when they lose games because of that. <laughs> I mean, I know they're losing they're, now. They're not planning on losing the next seven, okay? They're, they're hoping to win are, the next are, seven to get to a decent bowl yeah, game. I we mean, are, we, are, we, are two, we are two and three with losses to Middle Tennessee State. I, I understand. Throw really Middle Tennessee North out. We'll never be able to explain really what happened to Middle Tennessee. Swagger, throw it away. Forget about it. Throw away what? Throw away Middle Tennessee. You'll never, you'll never be able to explain what happened in that game. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, it's beyond ridiculous. I mean, if you look at what that team has done in other games and how badly they've gotten beat by the teams they're getting beat by, how in the heck they came to Hard Rock Stadium and beat the Miami Hurricanes? 
I mean, you'll never, like, but, you'll never be able but, to explain but, but, that ever but, in your life. But, Gary, did it happen? We watched it. It's not like it's going to take place. Wow. It's the most yeah, bizarre thing. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. That right, that that's right the, there. That right there is 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 that that's exactly what I'm saying. How do you come off of a game? And you know, I hear all this. Oh, they were beat up. Uh, it was they put it all in on Texas Texas A&M game. They came out of that. You know, uh, 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 hurt. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of hearing that. You're a football player. I mean, <laughs> you know, you've got to show up to play these games, man. I mean. How can you go into a, a game like that and just lay down like they did? Talk about there's no explanation for it. The explanation for it, the, I mean, but, but here, listen, here's, but here's, here, but here's what I'm saying. You know, you talk about not playing your best guys for the sake of developing for the future, and you're talking about losing more games and. Like not, we're sitting not, here right now, we have, we, tonight, we have no idea what they're going to do the rest of this year. We have no clue, but I do think they better put their best players on the field if they want to win some of these games. And I don't do you, know that they're going to do that. Let me ask you a question, Gary. Do you believe that the best players on this roster, Tyler Van Dyke and his 500 yards included, are going to win out the rest of these games? 100 Clemson, Florida State, Pittsburgh. You really not likely, think they're going to not, win not, not likely, but at some point you are going to get Restrepo back. Um, you know, at some point, hopefully, some of these guys do get healthier. And, you know, maybe you're a little bit better at, at you know, in a, in a few weeks. If they can just, listen, you got Virginia Tech, Virginia Duke. Virginia, well, Virginia Tech, Duke, Virginia. Okay, find a way to win these three. Horrible. They're horrible. All three of those so teams well, I, I understand. So just find a way to win those games, you know. Get, get yourself to five and three, and then let's see where they're at. Okay, you know, I, I mean, I don't think they could sit here and try to see what you know predict how they're going to be playing in November. You got to get through October first, and you got to win these games. So let's see what happens. All right, Swagger, thank you so much, man. Great, great talking to you as always. Appreciate it, Gary. Thank you. You got it, man. We'll catch up with you next time. Five six three nine 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 three five five zero five six three nine 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 three five five zero. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, YouTube commenters, I'm going to get to you in a minute. Uh, let's go to the 706. You're live on Kingsport Live. Good evening, Gary. This is Sebastian. How are you? Hey, what's up, Sebastian? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. You know, um, you know, not to say I agree with your last caller, um, but you know, I was listening to the morning show and I heard Matt, and he's been kind of beating the drum, saying we should play some of these younger players, and, and, and I understand where you're coming from, Gary. Try to get the best season that you can possibly get and move forward. 100%. And, you know, so I'm all on that. But what I remember and what I recall is I remember the challenges that Butch Davis had to go through. You know, he inherited a much ta- much more talented roster, but, you know, that second year they went five and six, if I recall. And I remember he played a lot of players, played a lot of young players. He has had to run some players off. And I just, I just think there's some positive that comes along with that. And here's what I mean. These players that, that we have right now don't seem like they're hungry or passionate to the degree. What they think where they just wear the uniform, they'll show up on the field and they'll just win. And win 
the the price to win is 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 a lot more than what it used to be because there's so much parity out there in college football right now that most teams have good players, good enough players for you to be able to win. What it comes down to in the very end is that hunger, that drive, and that tenacity of wanting to win. And I don't know. I just feel like why aren't we playing some of these younger players? Because when I see some of these older players that's getting on the field, like I don't understand the rationale. Like when I see, I can't think of his name, like when I see Steve get on the field, I'm asking myself for even if it's like a play or two, why couldn't that be the same? You know, much more athletic, a lot more speed. Maybe you can explain that to me, Gary. you got to get him to the point where he knows what he's doing. That's all it is. I mean, yes, he's clearly a better athlete. they got to get him to the point that he can make those snap decisions when he's on the field. Once they do, he'll be playing. They've been progressively getting him out there a little bit more each game. Uh, so they, you know, trust me, they believe in Wesley the Saints, and, and they think he's a big part of the future of the program. Um, they just got to keep working with him and get him to the point where he understands what he's doing out there. And uh, then I think you'll see him more. But you, but do you not think that those reps, those live reps and that experience is going to help him just as much as sitting on the sideline? Not if he's screwing up, man. Not if he's screwing up and costing the team games. Um, no, I, I don't. <laughs> uh, I, I think he's got to know what he's doing if he's going out there. I ask that question because, I mean, he shows the flash, the speed, the athleticism that our current linebackers don't have. Like, I've seen Nigel Lee Kelly play, and when he's on third down pass rushing, I mean, this guy's an animal. I mean, he definitely has, I think, more speed and more quickness. Than well, let me ask you a question. Is he more of an animal than Mesador, who's right now playing as well as any defensive end in the country? You know, Gary, he's not. I agree right. on that. Is he, is he more of an animal than uh, Mitchell, Mitchell Agude, and who looked pretty good to me on, on Saturday? Is, is Nigel Leak ready to play at a higher level than that right now? You, you know, Mitchell Agude did play better this week, but as I look at the other games we were playing against, I think he could have got a little bit more snaps. I he might have been banged up a little bit. You know, th- this team has really been having a hard time physically. Okay, no, I'm, I'm with you. Let me let me let me change something. Let me change something on you. Um, what I saw from the wide receivers moving forward is kind of encouraging. What discourages me is I I don't think why we haven't figured out in the last three years that the, what we have up front is not equipped to handle a, a three. Uh, it's it, it, it able to handle a short large yardage situation. Like why can't we put Inez Cooper, a much bigger guy, in the lineup? if we're going to try to run short yardage. Because the players that we put on the field on when we had the goal line is not giving us no push. They were trying to do that a few weeks ago. I don't, I don't remember seeing it on Saturday uh, with Inez. Um, I know they love Inez. Yes, he's a, he's a big body. Uh, maybe we'll see more of him as the season goes on. But uh, is he ready to go out there and take a full-time load as like an offensive guard? Probably not, you know, probably not just yet, you know, but. Uh, Maybe a third. We're at the goal line, Gary, when we've been getting stuff. Like, the next time we get to the goal line, if we run it on first down, man, I'm going to turn the television off. I'm going to be honest. I mean, we don't need to do that. 
Yeah, a little, little bit of overestimation of the talent level and how it's performing right now, I, I think. And um, I mean, if you, if you were out and having a beer with Josh Gaddis right now, uh, I think he'd probably admit to that. You know, I mean, listen, they, they believe in their players. They coach them all week. Uh, when he makes those calls, he believes they're going to get the yard. Uh, but they're not getting the yard. And, and you notice in the second half, he just abandoned the running game and just went almost 100% pass in the second half. And um, listen, he's in a tough spot. Yeah, you're you're chasing points, so I'm not going to blame him. I actually thought he actually put a better game plan and had the team playing better uh, kind of moving forward. As you look at the outlook of the season, um, is is seven and five, and a bowl win or eight and four and a bowl win considered success to you or do you consider that failure? Eight and four right now would be like winning the Super Bowl, man. I mean, eight and four right now would be unbelievable. I mean, you, you would feel pretty good. You would feel pretty good in November if they finish eight and four, you know, maybe go to that uh, Cheez-Its Bowl or something in Orlando or something like that and, or the pinstripe bowl and, and, and have a decent bowl game, you would feel like this program won the Super Bowl if they could do that. I mean, that's, it, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work the next two months to do that. You know, you know, it's a lot of work, but to me, to make it to eight and four and win a bowl game or even make it to seven and five and win a bowl game seems like real success to me. I remember when we won the Carcrest Bowl with Butch Davis and Edgerton James and Man, I tell you, you just felt like the sky was the limit as far as where Miami was going. You know, because our nemesis at the time was Virginia Tech. I don't know if you recall. And I felt like we were getting much, much closer to being able to get on the field and compete with them and being able to beat them. And we beat them shortly thereafter. My last comment, and this is what I want you to just talk about, and then you can put me on hold. So we're going up to Blacksburg. We're going to play Virginia Tech. And what I want you to be able to explain to me is when I look at Virginia Tech, it seems like from a physical standpoint, measurables and all, Miami always comes in with a much better team. You know, Virginia Tech is going to come with 5'11", 6-foot D tackles, 6'8", um, 280 pounds, barely 300 pounds. And it just seems like when we, when we look up front, they just seem to really like kind of dominate us on that particular level. So what are your thoughts? I know you've been really, really kind of bullish on Miami as far as being able to win this week up in Blacksburg. Do you think we should be able to win that game, or do you think that, you know, it's just a win some, lose some? Because I'm like, if we get to five and three, then I'm thinking, you know, eight and four would be just amazing. Or even seven and five and win a game would be success to me. And just let me know your comments and just uh, kind of keep me on hold. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Listen, everything I'm hearing is that the kids have a great attitude. Nobody's packing it in. The coaches are very happy with the effort they're getting. And if that's true, which I don't have any reason to believe it's not true, uh, then I think they have a chance to keep getting better. I mean, I I felt like they were better against North Carolina. Um, Those two deep, those two pass plays, man, like, you know, I didn't. I can't remember what the. Actually, I can tell you because I, I've got the. I've got the stats right here. Um, but you know, if you look at the at the snap counts, um, you know Miami had 81, uh, no 71 defensive plays the other day. 
69 of them weren't really all that bad, man. I mean, they really weren't that bad. And, and can I say one thing, Eric? Can, can I say one yeah. thing? I mean, look, I'm with you with the long pass plays. I, I get it. If, if we take those away, we probably have a different ball game. But I also have to say, to give some thought to the fact that when we're at the one-yard line or the two-yard line and we can't punch it in, to me, the only time Miami ever has ever had a good football team is when we're always a good uh, third down and two running football team. Whenever well, we I'm... can't run the ball third and two, third and one, we're never going to be a good football team. No matter no, how you can't, you can't be a good football team if you don't do that. But think about the sequence there. I mean, they quarterback sneak it and get down to the half-yard line. Okay, and I believe that was the first down call. Uh, and, I mean, at that point, why not just quarterback sneak it again? I mean, you know, you're at the well, half-yard line. Quarterback sneak it, or while they're thinking you're going to quarterback sneak it, why don't you play action pass, throw it to the tight end? What I, do, what, what, what I struggle with is it's like we're going to run the football on short yardage situations as if we're trying to prove something. It is, the, it is the culture, it is the mindset that Mario Cristobal is trying to create in this program. Yes, we are going to kick That's your fine. butt. That's fine. Okay? And, and, and he's not compromising that. Um, he's not going to compromise that because he wholeheartedly believes that to win championships again, they have to get back to that. You know, we are going to physically dominate you. Yes, we're going to throw it around. Yes, we're going to have good quarterbacks, receivers, or whatever. But when we need to pick it up, in the running game, we are going to do it. And you know what? In College Station, they played to that level. They really did. I don't understand how you can go to College Station and play to that level, and then you can't replicate it again the next few weeks. Like, uh, I, I just I can't wrap my arms around that. And that's why I try to come up with the crazy theory of, you know, guys were really hurting, banged up, you know, maybe their effort level because of that has dropped a little bit. Uh, they don't want to feel that way again. I'm, you know, I'm trying to put the human element into it. Uh, no, but, I get it. But don't let your pride get in the way, though. That's all I'm saying. Don't let your pride get in the way where it costs you the ball game. Because when you was at the 50, you wanted to pass it then. Well, but they got to that point in the second half when they threw almost every play. So they did that. Yeah, they got, they, they got to that point. But all I'm saying, though, Gary, is if we watch the Virginia Tech game, and we're first down at the one-yard line, and we run the ball, and we don't make it. I just want you to remember me because I'm just saying that's when you let your pride get in the way. And I'm just like, why don't you set that aside and just do what you can to try to win it? If you need to throw the ball for that one-yard, two-yard, because if we tie the ball game right there at 7-7, even though North Carolina beat us on that 74-yard touchdown pass or whatnot, I think it's a different game. But to be deflated and to come away with no points, it just it, it just even with the defense having them at the one yard line, I just didn't see the effort and the energy where we felt like we had fight because a field goal would have been better at that particular point. All I'm saying is, Miami football teams are always good when they can run the ball on third and short. When they cannot run the ball on third and short, they're not good. And if you're not a good third and short team, do what you can to pick up the first down. Don't let your pride get in the way. You have a couple more years to ingrain that mindset without blowing the season away. 
Give me a hold. Let me think. Hold. Know what you think. About All right, man. Yeah. Uh, let me let you. Uh, th- thanks for being part of the show. All right. Let me hit. Uh, give a little love to the, the guys on YouTube here for for a minute. Um, you know, um, Bula Brown, you're pissing me off, buddy. Stop saying that I'm making excuses, okay? I'm, you know, over the course of all these days, I'm commenting on a lot of things, and I'm evaluating a lot of things. I'm writing about a lot of things. I'm never making an excuse. There is never an excuse, okay? Let me make that clear. Um, so they're not excuses. I'm trying to come up with explanations for what we're seeing on some of these things, and I'm talking to a lot of people, and I'm getting a lot of input and different opinions, and I'm trying to pull it all together for you guys and give you insight into what's going on. I am not making excuses. I am never making excuses. All right, now now that that's out of the way, um, what elite coaches have we had since Butch left? Um, obviously, uh, we haven't had any. And you know, hopefully Mario um, gets to that point. Bernard Williams is pointing out that Don Cheney is missed. Um, I think Trevante Citizen is also missed. Um, he also says Van Dyke is not a leader. I thought Van Dyke was a leader this past weekend. I thought he was a leader the second half of, of last year. So I don't know uh, if it's really fair uh, to say that. Uh, Jimmy Jam wants to hear from the curmudgeon tonight. Uh, I, I, can't have, I can't make Matt. Matt can't work all the time. <laughs> um, uh, he starts very early in the morning, and, you know, we gotta, we got to get him, let him get some beauty rest sometimes and stuff. Um, so um, I, you know, I can't have him on everything all the time. Although I, I know he appreciates all the love that you guys are giving him. He appreciates the fan club that has been built up, and we have a lot of fun with it on Good Morning King Sport. But um, he can't; uh, he just can't physically do um, every single show. And and uh, but he is on Good Morning King Sport uh, pretty much every morning. Um, okay, we'll get to some more of those. But let's go back to the calls: five six three nine 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 three five five zero five six three. 999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 808. You are live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Well, how are you doing, Gary? It's uh, Norman again. Hey, what's up, Norman? Aloha. Well, good. Aloha, aloha to you and all the other listeners. Um, I think you put it in the best perspective when we came out of the Texas A&M game all beat up. I mean, it was an impressive performance, and I think it just shows how far, how much further this program has to go in terms of strength and coordination. And we saw it on that second Carolina touchdown where it appeared we had them stopped short of the goal line, and there was one of our defensive tackles, I think it was Jackson, not trying to single him out or anything, but he appeared to be just stationary and stood there, and he reacted too late. And so that, that's an indication that, you know, we have, an, that we have a way. It's an indication of what? The best in, uh, pardon me? What did you say? It's an indication of what? It's an indication of how, far, how much further we need to go. Oh, okay. Even though we have guys, so even though we have guys like Feld and his seven or eight, eight member staff, you know, it's they may have bought the players may have bought into it. A rebuild takes time, and even strength and conditioning is part of the rebuild. And um, 
even against uh, Middle Tennessee, we saw, we have we saw some of our offensive linemen get thrown to the turf, and um, that's pretty much what I wanted to say. And I think we have the right staff and the right personnel from a from a staffing standpoint, but. I would say maybe in his third year we'll start to see some relevance and part of being the being part of the conversation, and that's all I wanted to say. And I just wanted to, I didn't want to take up too much time because I know you have other callers. So you have a pleasant evening. All right, Norman. Thanks for being part of the show as always. Let's go to the seven two seven. You're live on Kingsport Live. Seven two seven. You with us? Gary, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hey, sorry. That's uh, Jake from St. Pete. Hey, what's up, Jake? uh, How are you doing tonight? Oh, not much. (laughs) Had to uh, uh, the last one out because of the uh, impending hurricane that wound up missing us. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to chime in. Um, You know, we're – I've gotten over as best I can the Middle Tennessee State game, but – uh, you know, I I'm sold on the fact that Mario could maybe make us a nine and three team or a ten and two team, but you know you, you have that old saying of yours, uh, same plus same equals same, and you know when when I look at Mario's history and I, I brought this up last year when when and let me say this with 100 percent. He is a million times better than Manny Diaz. So I, I'm not saying this like I want the good old days of Manny Diaz, so don't uh, don't take it that way. But um, he – Mario always does less with more. He never does more with more. He never does more with less. He, he always does less with more. And – you look, right, but Jake, let me ask you. Uh, let me stop you for one second there. I, and I get it. It's, 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 it, you know, we all point fingers and stuff like that. But you know, what is Mario supposed to do when his secondary gives up six cheap touchdowns in Middle Tennessee and North Carolina games? Like, what is he supposed to do? Like, where's Mario Cristobal breaking down, Jake? I just don't see it. Like, like I know for a fact that they practiced it and repped it over and over and over again. The guy making the mistakes this past week was is, might be the smartest defensive back on the team. I can't explain why it's happening, this week but, was, I'm not, uh, but I'm not willing to point at Mario Cristobal on that. Okay, they lost the game in, in the Middle that, Tennessee right? State game, Gary, in the Middle Tennessee State game, they were in straight man coverage. That's they on the coaches. Were, and they let that happen four times. That, that's on yes. the coaches. I'm sorry. That's on the coaches, no doubt. But here's here's my point, is if we think we're going to get to a national championship level, you can't do that. You need to win 13 games in a row, 15 games in a row. You can't let Middle Tennessee State out-strategize you. So how I, I agree. World... I mean, it's unfathomable what happened in that game. It was a total organizational collapse, no question about it. It, um, it starts with the advanced scouts. I can't imagine that the advanced scouts had a true read on the speed of those guys when they presented the scouting report to Kevin Steele and they started game planning for the week, I can't even begin to imagine that they had an accurate read on how fast those guys were. And certainly 
nobody in the room stood up and said, we can't put DJ Ivy in that kind of coverage. He never, he, he doesn't have the foot speed. He can't hold up one-on-one with a speed receiver in a foot race down the sideline. We as fans, like you guys have seen this freaking 10 times in the last three, four years, DJ Ivy trying to cover somebody in that exact same situation. Like we know that that is not fair. Yeah. That is not fair to him. He cannot do it. Okay. And that is on the coaches, but this past week was not Texas A&M was not. No, in like if I if I'm being honest, in a vacuum, just that game. I I was there. I have season tickets. I go to all of them. Um, that game, I probably could have lived with in a vacuum. Like it was, it was an entertaining game. We were there like on our feet till the last until that interception. That was a little bit of a letdown, but uh, um, nonetheless, uh, you know that, that that that's all fine and good. But like, I just. I, I, I mean, he is what he is, and he's he's here, and he'll be better than what we've had in the past. But I just don't see – Mario just can't seem to get out of his way. And the other thing is, is, like, I don't see – you look at – Jake, you're breaking up on us. About, oh, can you can you hear me, Gary? We can hear you now. Yeah, I, I was talking player progression. Uh, one of the guys before brought up, like, you know, he recruited all this talent to uh, uh, over over to Oregon and whatnot, but it, it's not there. I mean, if you look at the roster right now, like, yeah, it's a good team, and that's why I said Mario, can he put together a 9- or 10-win team? 100%. I, I'm completely sold on that. And to a degree, I'm happy with that. I, I'd, I'd be thrilled to go and watch 10 wins or 9 wins uh, guaranteed every season. But you look like there has he ever? You look at his Oregon record recruiting quarterbacks, terrible. His Oregon record recruiting wide receivers, and he recruited some big time guys out of high school, uh, wide receiver, uh, quarterback, even running back. He he doesn't really have a very good record right now. They're top. Aren't there receivers doing pretty well this year? What's that? The receivers in their program, I think, are doing pretty well this year, aren't they? I mean, Bo Nixon. Joe Nix transferred from Auburn. He's doing big numbers over there. I mean, are they all transfers? Yeah, I have not paid. Okay, well, I didn't pay a lot of backs, The top two running backs on that team are transfers this year. Uh, now, yeah, they well, did they lose die to them. USC. But right. they got no one behind them. The top two guys, like none of his recruits are even seeing the field on offense. And that's like he actually he did an okay job. Oh, can't all the transfers. I knew the offensive line was intact. That they, they were Mario's recruits. Yeah, he'll he'll get the offensive line repaired. I'm comfortable with that. I just I, I really don't see, and you know perhaps it's too early in the tenure, but I just don't see him being a championship level coach. I don't think he's on the level of uh, uh, unless he really he's trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. You know, we we wasted four games trying to put this power offense that anybody with a set of eyes could have told you they can't do. You've got personnel limitations and you know, we're just, we're doing this. I mean, you know, it's, it's just like, I, I, I was hoping with all the resources and money that they gave Mario, that he could at least do uh, to take your words, like same plus same, but it's like now, I mean, it looks like we could be fighting for a six win season this year. You know, you, you got to, Clemson's probably a loss. Florida State and Pitt are going to be tough as could be. 
And, you know, the way they're playing, who knows? They get picked off by one of these other lesser teams. And, you know, they can win every at- game or lose every game. They can win or lose every single game left on the schedule. Yeah. Now, to the flip side, yeah. if they, you know, if they get things right and it looks a little more like Texas A&M, they could do some damage this year. And that's why no I, I expect – Shadell says it every, every week. With uh, it, it would be nice one week to hear an opposing coach say, wow, like I, I didn't see that coming. And for $20 bucks, I, I kind of thought that was going to be what we saw this year. I thought we were going to be 10-2. and two. Not that's what they have I'm not sure they have the personnel to do what you're looking for. I I hear what you're saying. I thought the coaching would elevate. Guys, you saw Colby Young this week just emerge out of nowhere. I mean, they are doing some things right, but uh, you know, I don't know that they have the personnel to be up tempo a whole game and and do the things that that people want to want to see. I mean, uh, you know, they're, I think they're, they're, they're trying. I think they're trying to develop guys and keep getting better. Um, obviously, losing to Middle Tennessee was not in the game plan. Obviously, losing this past weekend to North Carolina, it shouldn't have happened. They outplayed them. They, and, you know, they, like I said, those two, those two pass plays in the fumble right there are potentially 21 points in a three-point game. Okay. Three point Gary, game. Gary, one quick question. It, it kind of relates to what you were just saying, but I just I, I want your theory or your thoughts, and then uh, uh, you can let me go here because I've been taking up quite a bit of time. But uh, why is it that we think the games are only forty minutes long? Like every game, including Bethune Cookman, Southern Miss, it takes twenty twenty five minutes for them to realize they're playing football on Saturday. Like what what's going on with that? You know, I, I agree. Uh, I, I do think that is on the coaches. I mean, what happened the other day uh, was they had a game plan to deal with uh, the quarterback's running ability, and it was taking the aggressiveness out of the pass rush. And they figured it out, and they made the adjustment. And from about the middle of the second quarter on, the pass rush was was unbelievable. And, and, yeah, and North Carolina's offense was much less effective than it had been early in the game. Uh, so, obviously, the game plan was the wrong game plan. No question about it. I, I thought so Kevin bad, Steele was trying bad, to get him uh, cardio you know, with how much well, he bad, was rotating. Bad marks for that, and then good marks for making the adjustment and making it better. But you are absolutely correct. <laughs> you know, that's not good enough because they lost. And um, they got to be better, no doubt about it. All right, Jake. Hey, thank you. Right, thank you for being part of the show. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Um, okay, back to the YouTube comments for a minute. Carlos Walker is making the point. Explain how Lane Kiffin is winning the SEC. Carlos, you are 100% correct. Here's one thing, though, that you're not factoring in, and that is Lane Kiffin, I believe, is is it is in your – I don't know if it's three or four. I'd have to refresh my memory on that. He is much further along at Ole Miss and um, Mario is here at Miami, uh, and he has to go through the rest of the SEC schedule too. So let's see where Ole Miss is at the end. My guess is they will have a couple of SEC losses. Um, that said, he is doing a very good job at Ole Miss, no question about it. Doesn't mean he would have been the right guy for the challenges here at Miami. Um, I believe Mario Cristobal is the right guy. Uh, is it all perfect this year? Absolutely not. It might not be all perfect next year either. It's going to take a couple of years to get the right personnel in the program, get the, you know, the full staff to where he wants it. Um, once he is able to do that, I do believe that this program will get back to being in the upper tier 
of college football. Um, all right, I'll get back to some more of those comments. Let me go back to the uh, the phone lines, and let's go to the 386, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello, Garrett. <clears throat> Appreciate you taking my call. This is Will. Um, this is Will. Hey, what's up, Will? I thought I recognized your voice. How you doing tonight? All right, I'm doing fine. How about you? Doing good, um, doing good. What I'm about to ask, all the Hurricane fans that I work with, I talk to in the barbershop, elsewhere, everyone is wondering what I'm about to ask. From Randy Shannon to Al Golden to Mark Rick to Manny Diaz and now Mario Cristobal, all of these coaches came in acknowledging that the talent on the roster needed to be upgraded. So why isn't it getting done? All of these coaches came in acknowledging they couldn't do it. They didn't have the recruiting staff team or the skills themselves to pull it off, and they couldn't do it. Um, it got to the point with, with, you know, with the Manning staff where they didn't even try to recruit the top players in the country like they're doing right now. Uh, they didn't feel like they were going to get them. They thought it was a waste of time. So they re- did all their recruiting in the second tier. Well, you're seeing what we're doing all your recruiting in the second tier here goes to the program. I mean, it leaves you with a team of – players, not none of them for the most part elite, nobody that's going to get drafted. Like last year, one guy got drafted in the seventh round. I'm not sure this year is going to be much better. And uh, that is where you are. And then only because Miami can put enough of those players together at one time, like they, which is what they have right now, and be competitive enough to win some, lose some, is it not a total disaster? But you heard me at the beginning of the show. I went through these losing streaks for 11 straight years. They've had streaks of losing multiple – eight times they've lost three games or four games in a stretch like they did this year. I mean, it's unbelievable. Think about that. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to believe. It really is. But it's, it's because of recruiting and not getting in there and winning battles for the top players that make a difference. I mean, uh, I mean, look at the game the other day. Will, look at the game the other day. Okay, Colby Young comes in and looks like Michael Irvin, right? And you're sitting there saying, well, where the hell has he been? I mean, how the hell does Colby Young end up being the receiver that you're talking about? Think about this. This is a kid that wasn't recruited very much out of high school. He went to a junior college. He came here in the, late in the summer from a junior college, and now – he theoretically is the best receiver on the field for the Miami Hurricanes when you have five recruiting classes making up this football team. I mean, this, like, this is unbelievable what we're watching, okay? Seriously. I mean, we get to the season, and we all hope for the best, and everybody wants to win games. This is unbelievable what we are watching. Seriously, it is unbelievable. Okay, hey, like I say, I was, you know, me and, you know, a lot of other people was wondering about this. Now, I have a question for you, and you'll, you'll see where I'm going with this. Two years ago, when we got annihilated by North Carolina, and Manny Diaz said, you know, we was emotionally tired, but yet everyone is making excuses about we came out the North, I'm going to say the Texas A&M game beat up, you know, hey, 
I'm I'm with Mario. I, I'm not called. I'm not. I'm with Mario, but it, it does seem a little like. And I, I love your show. I appreciate you taking my calls. I like sitting here, you know, listening to what everyone have to say. But it does seem like that, you know, Mario is, you know, getting a little free pass here. He just got here, man. Like, what, what, what's he supposed to do? He, he, I mean, if, let, me ask, let me ask you this, Will. Will, time out. Don't laugh. Listen to me. Let's, let me put it to you this way. Let's say Manny Diaz was still here as the head coach of this team. And you're sitting there in August, and I, say, and I say, hey, Will, let's go out for a beer. And I say to you, Will, how many games do you think this team can win this year? You tell me you would have said more than four or five. Come on, no, man. Tell right. me this. There's no chance. What, what, we, we would have been what? sitting there saying, how can this team get the five victories? Well, now we're here sitting, hoping that they can get the five victories and, or more. But the point is, if Mario doesn't come in here and put the infrastructure in place, the coaching staff in place, doesn't hit the transfer portal the way he does, and get players like Mesador, who right now is playing as well as any defensive end in the country, um, you know, doesn't get Daryl Jackson to fortify the defensive tackle position. And all you got there is Leonard Taylor, who's hit or miss play-by-play play, still uh, unfathomably cannot put a consistent game together. Um, you know, what, what are you sitting there saying at the bar as we're pounding down Heineken's uh, and, you know, kind of wallowing in our tears over the state of Miami football? We're, I mean, we're sitting there saying that we hope this is a 4-5 win team. Gary, all I'm saying, you will not find a bigger Hurricane fan than me. But what the question I'm asking, what happened to Manny when he said we were emotionally tired going into the North Carolina game? What happened to him? He got annihilated. Annihilated, right. Um, you haven't heard Mario, you ever heard Mario football say anything like that. Mario, Mario's the last guy that's ever going to make an excuse. Mario's just going to go work harder. I mean, you know, if he was working 17 hours a day, he's going to work 19. Uh, he's not going to make an excuse. Hey, I, 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 hope, I, hope, I hope he get the ship headed in the right direction. You know, like I said, I, I ask questions, you know, about, you know, when I come on the show, I ask questions about what's being talked about at the job. So, like I said, you, know, I, you know, you've answered my question. Appreciate you taking my call, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, man. Uh, thanks for being part of the show. Um, in, let's see. In the, um, in the YouTube comments, James Welford points out Miami has a lot of injuries with not a lot of experience depth. And ain't that the truth, man? Um, and that makes it, it makes a difference. You know, when you have to start going deep into a roster where, you know, you don't have a lot of depth. I mean, you're looking at Paris, Rooster, Cheney and Citizen all banged up at running back. And those are all guys you were counting on, man. Like Citizen might have been the top back by now if he doesn't get hurt. I mean, the guy has enormous talent. Um, and he's going to end up probably missing the year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there is no doubt about it. A lack of experience takes a, um, takes a major toll. All right, 563-999-3550. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, let's go out now to the 386. You're a lot – no, I think we – that's you, Will, right? That's me. Yeah, sorry about that. I, I, I hit the wrong button. Let's go to the 302. You're live on Team Sport Live. Hey, what's up, guys? Can you hear me? 
Yeah, we can hear you. Who's this? Hey, this is Philip. What's up, Philip? What you got for us, man? Hey, yeah, I think with a lot of the calls have to realize is that, you know, we don't try have to talk to you. Try to talk into your phone. I'm, I'm not hearing you real well. Hold on a second. Can you hear me better? Yeah, much better. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, this is Philly. So. All right. Oh, hey, Philly. How are you, man? Hey, thanks for your contribution on our message board every day, man. I really respect I respect your post a lot. You, you're you're clearly very knowledgeable on football, and I just want you to know we appreciate you being on our site. But I can't hear you at all right now, man. All right, hey, listen, get, get, get your phone together. I'll come back to you. Let's go to the, uh, the 917. You're live on King Sport Live. What's up, Gary? BK, King. Hey, what's up, BK? How you doing this week? I'm I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. Just just. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't see the game. I missed it. I was at a funeral, but. <laughs> uh, question. Sure, it's a pretty good game. You might want to go on YouTube and watch the condensed game or something. It was not a bad game. I don't think I could. I don't think I could do it. No, <laughs> knowing that I know what the outcome is, you know, it'll just piss me off. <laughs> it'll just piss me off. Listen, um, I listen to a lot of like you know podcasts and things like that, and specifically, Josh Gaddis's name always comes up. And these aren't Miami Hurricanes, you know, podcasts. They're saying, uh, you know, Mario, maybe, uh, you know, this might be like a one-year project with the Josh Gaddis thing. For some reason, he has this reputation of not being this genuine, honest, not a very good offensive coordinator. So, like, why is there so much chatter about this guy? And this guy won the won the Broyles Award. Well, he was pretty darn good last year. That's why. Yeah, well, he hasn't well, – yeah, you know, I mean, that's what I can't wrap my head around. He won the Broyles Award, but everybody keeps saying, well, he's not that good. You know, Jim Harbaugh was kind of calling the plays, or Jim Harbaugh was guiding him this, that, and the third – so, you know, like this might be a one-year project for Miami, Miami, switching out coordinators. Everybody loves Mario, but nobody likes this Gaddis guy. I just I just don't understand it. But but real quick, in regards to the response. When you lose, it's hard to win people over. You know, he's the new, he's new guy in town, not winning the games. Uh, but, you know, TVD didn't look right until last week. And he looked right again. Uh, but when you're not winning and things are going wrong, it, you, you know, it's hard for a new guy to make friends. Yeah. In regards to the receivers, we had like a highly touted uh, freshman last year. Uh, I mean, you know, that came in this year. He's a freshman now. Isaiah Horton. Like, he's a big kid, 205 pounds. I think he's like 6'5", 205. Like, what's going on with his development? And he was a highly sought after, you know, wide receiver at the time. I, you know, I think you might see him a little bit the second half of the season. Um, you know, I think it's starting to click for him, and uh, he has been practicing better. And uh, just like Colby Young emerged last week, one of these weeks, you might see Isaiah Horton emerge a little bit. I'm not going to tell you that. You know, he's, he, he, okay. he's, along, he's along the lines of all these other guys. You know, he's not a program altering talent. I, I think uh, Ray Ray Joseph um, has a chance to be a, a, a program altering talent. Um, I think Robbie Washington has a chance to be a really good player 
at, at this level. Uh, I think they are trying to recruit better. I think they are, in some cases, recruiting better. Um, it's just, you know, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it all in one year. I'm sure they're going to be in the portal looking for a difference-making receiver this year. Uh, they will exhaust everything, trust me. But, uh, you know, I do think Isaiah Horton is doing better, and you might see him more the second half of the season. Okay, and what about Chris Graves? Don't know, man. Uh, don't know. I mean, how did it, you know, obviously Jaden Harris was deemed the best guy ready to play out of the true freshman. How did that look in the Middle Tennessee State game? <laughs> you know, I mean, it didn't look real good to me. So, I, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't know how soon we're going to see those kids, um, especially with the way things, things, this has been going. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't answer that. Yeah, Gary, but I'm, but I'm not going to lie to you. Mike Rumpf is not looking all that bad. Or <laughs> all of a sudden, with all the heat he took, his, well, his, yeah, he I, never gave up. You know, anyway. I agree. You know, and it's weird, you know, Co- Coach Adai is supposed to be one of the better defensive backs coaches in the country, but there's something that's not getting through to the guys in that room. Um, just th- th- they're blowing the whole season, man. I mean, really and we talk about the quarterback and the O-line being inconsistent and all that, and that's all true. But the last two l- l- losses are on the defensive back room, in my opinion. Listen, what I would give for Robert Knowles right now, <laughs> oh man, that's a low blow. Come on, man. You no, don't no, do that. No, no, no. No, no man, that's a low blow. Knows. He took a be- he took a beating for three years, and his last year he put a good solid year in. His last year in the program, he was a serviceable, pretty good DB. But he did take a beating for three years. But I mean, what I would give for four year Robert knows right now. It's it's crazy. <laughs> Robert knows never did this though. <laughs> oh man, come on, man! <laughs> he never did this, Gary. Robert knows was better than this. <laughs> but but keep me on, Gary. All right, man. Hey, BK, thank you. Thank you for being part of the show. All right. Um, I think I think Philly gave up. He disappeared. So uh, let me go to the uh, the three hundred five. You are live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey, Gary. How you doing? Who's this? Uh, Andy from Aventura. Hey, what's up, Andy? What you got for us? I got a question. Uh, how is it possible that a team like Kansas or TCU is probably a better team than the than the University of Miami with the with the talent that supposedly you know these four star kids? If we got great coaching, how is that possible? That these, that these teams are probably um, better than us? My honest answer would be I don't think they are, but that doesn't mean that they're not playing their games better. Uh, you know, Kansas got beat you by know, two teams this week, but I, I, I know they've, they've, been, they've been playing pretty well. Let's take a look at, at, at who, who they were beating, though. Um, uh, let's see. They beat, they, beat, they beat Houston. They beat Iowa State. I mean, I don't know that these are great, great wins, but they're eking out victories and, 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 and winning games. The, and, um, the thing is, when the, the South Florida kids, oh, this has been going over multiple coaching staffs. We lose a game, a, a, a big game or something, and then we lose like three three games in a row. Or it, It's been happening over and over again. And then yeah, some of these South Florida, 
these South Florida kids are prima donnas where if they're not competing for a championship or the championship's out, they they kind of lose a little interest in their and they and the no, effort is not there. You're making a good point there. Let me tell you what has to stop in my opinion. And and I I know I'm going to get somebody angry saying this, but the one thing that I notice is there is way too much smoke blown uh you know, up some of these kids' butts before they've done anything in college. And um, it's a community issue. I mean, it, it's like a kid's a good high school player at a high, at a certain, any high school um, in the community or whatever. And it's just there's an assumption that they're going to be a great player at the next level before they've put in all the work, before they've, they've uh, come to terms with the fact that it is a whole different game on the college level. And you know, no, you're not just walking in to college football and walking into the U and, you know, being, you know, Ed Reed, you know, it just doesn't work that way. Okay. Because you were a good player at Booker T or, or central or Chaminade or any, or American heritage or any school. No, it doesn't work like that. You have to put in the work and you have to make yourself a good player. And I think there's a lot of chatter all the time in the community when it doesn't go well and uh it's always got to be the coach's faults and this and that and and uh it just isn't that way uh, um you know so i i do think that there's a lot of forces that can maybe get better and um you know be be a better influence on the on the whole thing um but it's it's definitely an interesting subject to talk about and debate um because the fact of the matter is a lot of the players that are coming out of South Florida are not panning out. And um, I don't know, is it a Miami thing? Like, is it, or is it the, or is it a thing when they come to Miami uh, because they're home, there's an entitlement. There's a belief that they've arrived before they've arrived. Uh, Maybe they're not working as hard as they should work. Um, and I think that I think when they lose that expectation that hey we got a chance for a championship and they lose a couple it just snowballs and and something changes and they, and we just start losing game after game. I don't know. I think there's a lot. There's some character issues because if we got great coaches and everybody says we have got really good coaches, there should be you know we shouldn't be having this kind of effort against some of these teams that were. Where that's happening, and it's happening every year. Doesn't matter who's coaching. It's it seems like it's a you know the same effect every time. I'm uh, seeing a lot of kids come into the program and not fulfill the capability that people think that they that they had when they walked in. Now, whatever that reason is, um, you know, I don't know. Um, but one thing I have noticed is there's a lot of chatter and noise locally uh, about it. And maybe kids are expecting to walk in and be great, and they're not putting in the time and effort to become that kind of player. All right, man. Hey, hey, go ahead, real quick. Question about NIL: Is there anybody else on board other than Ruiz? Right? I mean, are we? Are there other people that are? Yes, there absolutely is. There, there's a collective. uh, Most of the people involved in it are trying to stay behind the scenes. They don't want to be public, like like John Ruiz, and you've probably noticed right. that John Ruiz has been a lot less public himself lately. Um, they, they're figuring out that, you know, NIL, you know, you need to just take care of your business and, and, and not put on a show. Um, and, 
you know, I think you've seen that that adjustment. I think you've seen that adjustment made. I know he doesn't want to bid up for some of these kids, but you know, with the way we're playing, if they don't, you know, up the ante, I don't think we're going to get some of these elite kids. No, they're going to have to, and they and they know it. And, and wait till you see what goes on in the month of December, man. I mean, the, the month of December is, is you know they've been using the term wild wild west. This is going to be the wild wild northeast, south and west uh, in December. Uh, because you're going to have kids you know, whose I, values are going to go up. You're going to have kids whose values are going to go down. There's going to be decommits. There's going to be new commits. The guys are going to come out of nowhere and be interested in schools. There's going to be a lot of action in December, and the schools that manage it the best are going to be the happiest when you get to the signing day. I think Miami fans should cheer that Oregon runs the table, because I think that could be a good recruiting tool for Mario, saying, hey, look at the team I put together over there. Look what they did, and that's with Oregon, a lot of Oregon kids out there. And if we, I get Miami talent, that's what's going to happen here. So I, I think we should all cheer that Oregon, you know, kicked some ass this year because I think he can use that as a, uh, as a recruiting tool. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, not everything helps. I, I don't think that's going to tip the scales on any of these recruitments, but it, does, it certainly doesn't hurt anything. All right, man, hey, thank you for okay. being part of the show. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, in the um, – in the YouTube comments, my man Al Dorbeling is telling everybody, hit your like buttons. Yes, please do. Hit your like button. Hit your subscribe button. Uh, helps us with the algorithms at, at YouTube, and um, we appreciate it. Um, James Welford is saying the TVD has put Gaddis in a pickle. That 500 yards is all the evidence you need to say that Gaddis is useless. His lousy offense lost the day at uh, Texas A&M in Middle Tennessee. Um, I mean, it was his offense that they threw for 500 yards. So I don't know if that argument um, really carries any salt. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll debate Josh Gaddis at a different time and place. Uh, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Uh, let me see. I think now I am going to the... The 954, you are live on King Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Hello. Is this me? That's you. We have the right place. Okay. That's you. This is Bill Kane, a many, many years per person watching UM. But let oh, me you, start man. with, no, no problem. Let me start with, I think, common sense question. Why are you in the shotgun? On the one-yard line. Why? That's everybody in football. I don't understand it either. No, is it? Okay, let, yeah, let me just, it'll take a little while, but let me explain. Okay, so if you're in the shotgun, the quarterback gets the ball at the three, probably two and a half, three. The running back has to go to the quarterback to get the ball. Meanwhile, the line are blocking, the defense is starting to penetrate, or you have to, you know, put put them up a little bit. But if you go under center, the quarterback's on the line of scrimmage. The running backs are maybe the two at the most. They don't, all you have to do is fire off. The, the running back runs straight. The quarterback turns to the right and gives them the friggin' ball. They don't have to blow anybody off the line. They don't have to. Why? Why? To me, it's ridiculous to run on the one-yard line that type of offense. I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. I don't. I don't understand it. How? how well, I think, I think they have more confidence in the blocking than you do. But 
it's not working out so well the last few weeks. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, the blind doesn't have to block that much better if their back is right on the line and the quarterback is right on under the center. He's not receiving the ball at the three yard line and has to give it to a back. That's wasting time. And meanwhile, the defensive line may be penetrating. When you're right at the line of scrimmage and the quarterback's at the line of scrimmage and the running back's right behind him, that's that is so much easier to score. You're already at a disadvantage when you catch the ball at the three-yard line, and the line, the back is behind the quarterback. So now the line's got to block for a longer time and get a better push. When you're at the one-yard line and you have the quarterback at the line of scrimmage and the running back right behind him, and you just turn to the right, let the running back doesn't have to go get it. He just runs full speed right to the ball. I mean, that is so basic. Why, why is there – for guys making millions of dollars, that's friggin' basic, man. I mean, why would you run? That's I don't. I mean, you can say that about almost every offensive coordinator in football on this issue. Huh? You could say that about almost every offensive coordinator in football on this issue. I don't disagree with you at all. Like I, you know, I, I don't understand being yeah. in the shotgun hey. on goal line offense, but. And I'm like on you. That quarterback sneak. That was the only time they weren't on it. Do it again. He's no little guy. He's a big yep. guy. Yes. Yeah, you had, I think, uh, two more opportunities to, to three more opportunities, I believe, to do it again. Three, so, three. Yeah. But I yep. just don't understand why anybody. I don't care who they are. These guys are supposed to know everything. I've been watching football for sixty-three years. UM games. I started when I was ten, ten years old, walking to the Orange Bowl. Okay. And anybody that puts the quarterback at the three-yard line to receive the ball to give it to a hand handoff, and the ball's at the one. How? Why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense. It's much easier when the quarterback's on the line of scrimmage, the running back's right behind him. The line doesn't have to block that great to get because he's right there. It's all a waste. I don't get it. Why are these guys – why? Why doesn't anybody do it anymore? I don't understand this. I really don't. All right, man. We'll take this. Thank you for being part of the show. Okay. Give us – Give us a call again next week. I'm just uh, got a bunch of calls here. I'm trying to get through everybody. So, um, yeah, give us a call next week. Appreciate it. Yep. All right, we're going to go uh, back out again to the 954. You're live on King Sport Live. Hey, what's going on, Gary? Uh, doing good. Who's this? This is a Stone Crab Willie. <laughs> All right, man. What's going on? Big season starting up. Big season starting yeah. up this week. Exactly. One thing, I, again, I will agree with Matt from the morning show. In my opinion, about, I, I don't think I, – I agree. Obviously, Tyler Van Dyke's a great quarterback. But at the same time, what's his record as a starter in, like, what, eight, nine games? He's 500. He has zero quality wins. I don't see the downside in letting Garcia, you know, start a game, get, get a little more burn. To see what you got, being at the season, well, looks like you turned into crapper for one. I'm, I'm as big a Jake Garcia fan as anybody. I, I, I think I, I, I love the kid. He's a great kid, great personality, good, very good quarterback. Uh, I've watched a lot of practice the last couple of years, and um, what I saw was two kids that a little over a year ago were, were pretty much neck and neck. And when Tyler got the opportunity to play, that was a big deal. Like he got a lot of game experience had a lot of success in college football, throwing the ball, had six straight 300-yard games. You saw what he's capable of. He had a 500-yard game last week. Um, I don't think that because there's 
an offense change and a new coordinator and, and everything's new and nothing's working in sync around him and maybe the play calling, you know, is good at times, not good at times or whatever, that you take a kid with that kind of talent and you just shelve his career. Now, this is not coming together in a, in a neat, tidy package. I mean, in the great, neat, tidy package, Tyler's the quarterback this year. He has a great season. He goes into the NFL draft. They draft him in the first round. Jake Garcia becomes the quarterback at Miami and has the job for the next couple of years while uh, Jaden Rashada, Emery Williams, and Ja'Curi Brown battle it out behind him and, and try to develop. So that was the, the, the master plan. I don't know it's going to work out that way, and we'll see what happens. Um, but I can tell you that right now, um, you know, Jake would go in and be an adequate quarterback. There's no question about it in my mind. Is he as good as Tyler right now? Uh, we don't know, and, I'm, and, and I don't think he's shown that in practice to the point where the coaches have been willing to make a move that drastic um, with Tyler Van Dyke. It wouldn't be treating Tyler Van Dyke fairly. I mean, he, he didn't just lose his talent suddenly. No, I agree. I agree. And, and a couple other things in regards to Mario. For one, I 100% give him a pass this year because, for one, He's the coach for a reason. They fired Mandy for a reason. I mean, the guy was an atrocious coach. You look at our roster, as you mentioned, we basically self-imposed the program with his inept recruiting. I don't care what type of coaching staff you put around. I mean, I, in my opinion, 65 to 70% of this roster would not be a normal crystal ball roster when he really gets his claws and starts rebuilding the relationships and starts getting a full recruiting class from, you know, the get-go under what he inherited. I don't think most of these guys would be starting. They're not hurricane material. As you mentioned, you look at our start, our best starting quarterback. This guy normally would be a starter under a crystal ball team, but we have no choice. That's how of lack of talent, in my opinion, we have. So it doesn't matter what type of coach hey, you have. You're saying Van Dyke would only start on a crystal ball team? Is that what you're saying? I, I would say that 65% said that this roster, in my opinion, would not be crystal ball recruits. Oh, oh, I hear you. Yeah, you're talking about the roster overhaul. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Exactly. Um, and, and, and you're going to see a lot of upheaval, man. Like, there's going to be a lot of transfer portal action again this year. There's no doubt about it. Right, which is the regard why, as great of a staff I think we have, why we keep losing these same games, two or three game losing streaks, because no matter what, it's the same roster from last year, but even more depleted. It, it's not a good roster. You know, it's, it, you know what? They find a way to lose games. Okay? I mean, just look at these games. The, the, all three of them. Texas A&M. The, you drop a punt. You miss two field goals. Okay? Um, that there alone is the difference in the game. Uh, Middle Tennessee, you don't show up at all. Okay? Um, the offense gives two gifts early in the game. You can recover from that. Okay, that was 10 points. They could have recovered from that. But you're going to recover from that? And four cheap, easy touchdowns on bombs? There's no chance you're recovering from that, or very little chance. But I agree. Uh, so they're fi- they find ways to lose games. This past weekend, same deal. Two more cheap scores in a three-point game. Yep. A fumble by Rooster. I mean, Rooster's supposed to be – these are guys – the guys that are screwing up are supposed to be among the best players on the team. And, you know, what are you going to do? It looked like Rooster. 
it looked like he was about to like, literally just a fumble it. Like it looked like he was about to have a good chance of running for a touchdown. The, the good teams find ways to win. We're not a good team, which is why we don't win. Now I'll leave you with this. Last finding question. ways to lose instead of finding ways to win. Exactly. This could be an undefeated team right now, even in the state that it is in. This could be Ole Miss. Oh, I agree. You think Ole Miss is really a, a six and zero team, or you know, like an undefeated? No, no. But they they're finding ways to win their games, while Miami is finding ways to lose their games. I, I agree, and I'll leave you with this last note. Now, the one thing that is a little discouraging, the one thing if you look at this roster, well, this team versus the last couple years. We always, no matter what, we're always playing from behind. Like you said, we always start slow. We're always playing from behind. And then it takes a quarter or two for us to, for whatever reason, turn the light switch on. So being, obviously, the same players, two different coaching staffs, is this more on the players or is this more on the coaching right now, being that regardless, we keep starting slow and we're always from behind? And I'll leave you with that. I don't think you can pick one or the other. I think I think it's a group effort, and I think they jointly um, got to take got to take the blame for that. Would be, you know, my my opinion on that. All right, um, let me see here. Um, Jr. Barr in the YouTube comments says, "But it's okay to shelve Garcia's career. How are you shelving Jake Garcia's career? Okay, um, you're not shelving his career at all. He is a redshirt freshman. <laughs> okay." Um, you know, he still has plenty of eligibility left, whether he stays at Miami or ends up in the transfer portal and goes somewhere else. You're not shelving his career at all. It was unfortunate what happened to him last year. He did not get the chance to compete uh, and potentially win the job over Tyler. And Tyler ran with it. And give Tyler credit, man. Tyler took his game to a whole nother level. And, um, you know, right now it's Tyler's time. Okay, Jake's time is going to come either here or somewhere else. So you're not shelving uh, his career. I, I, I can uh, pretty confidently uh, assure you of that. All right, let's go to the um, go to the 901. You're live on King Sport Live. Hi, Gary. How you doing? Doing great. Who's this? This is Alex out of Memphis. What's up, man? What you got for us tonight? Well, First of all, I, I want to address a couple of things that have been said. Number one, uh, people have talked about the lack thereof of, ta- of talent on this team. By 247, this is the 13th most talented team in the nation, and they're just not playing up to that standard. They have talent. They they have talent, but they don't have elite game-shaping talent, okay? And the right. talent they have is not performing at the level that it needs to perform for them to win all these games. And all those examples I just gave are, are absolute good examples of that. Now, it's the best me, players on the team that are screwing up. Right. Now, now, to me, the question is, well, why isn't the talent playing up to that level? And to me, it's a really simple answer staring everybody in the face that nobody wants to admit to. And I've heard a couple callers and, and yourself kind of tiptoe around it. Six head coaches in 18 years. That's why this team is playing like it is. Part of the reason? Three head coaches in the last five years, three offensive coordinators in the past four years, three defensive coordinators in the past three years. No team yeah. can succeed that way. No, well, that's part of the reason. Uh, I think you've got a head coach now that's going to be here for a while. So, so that's a good thing. 
Oh, I, I completely agree because now, no matter how much the fan base whines and cries over it, he's not going to get fired over it because they're not paying that money. No, there's no reason. And, and I think that's what. I, and I think that's I think that's part of the problem because for for all the for all the Manny Diaz hate, people tend to forget that the fan base wanted him. But then when the fan base did not want Manny Diaz, nobody never was anybody saying Manny Diaz had to be the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes. That was all Blake James. Well, there there was a lot of it on social media from the fan base. I'll put it that way. A lot. I don't think so. I don't don't agree with that. And and irregardless, I I heard it from them, especially here on YouTube. Oh, it was it was really thick on YouTube. And then a lot of people that wanted him got surprised after he got hired when he acted like he had never been a head coach before. Well, of course he hadn't. And I, and I think that is the problem, and that's why this program is in the shape that it's in, is the unrealistic expectations of the fan base. I think now, people need to calm down. I, I talked about that at the beginning of the show. There, there, there is nothing wrong with the expectations coming into this season. Uh, Miami absolutely – had and will continue to have an opportunity to win every single game they play. Okay. Uh, so if you, if you have an opportunity, listen, if you have an opportunity to win every single game you play, then it is more than fair for the fans to want to win every game. And you're probably not going to win every game. Obviously very few teams do, but there is nothing wrong with the fan base wanting to win every game, hoping to win every game and believing that Miami can win every game because they can. I mean, there's, there's nobody they're playing that is so out of this world unbeatable. And, I mean, even the top teams in the country, like Alabama, should have lost the other day to Texas A&M, which Miami certainly was on a, on a level playing field with Texas A&M. And Alabama should have lost to them. And, uh, you know, people make excuses, oh, they're playing with their backup quarterback. Alabama has the best recruiting class in the country every single year. They recruit a quarterback every year. Um, I know their Heisman Trophy winner was out, but I guarantee you their number two is pretty darn good. And, um, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch the game. I'm sure there was lots of stuff that happened in the game. I think they had a few fumbles or whatever. But uh, the, point I'm making, the point I'm making is no, nobody's playing anybody that is so out of this world insurmountable that they don't go into the game with a chance to win. So, no, the expectations are fine. Teams got to play better. Well, and, and I completely agree the team's got to pay better, play better, but that's not the argument I'm making. Uh, how many teams can you think of that go from 7-5 and five one year to a 10-11-12 win team the next year? Not Never. many. No, there's, it, there's usually incremental I mean. steps that need to be made, no doubt. And, and that's exactly – because you see it plenty of times – Kirby yes. Smart walked into a, a, a vastly talented team and went seven and five with it his first year. Yeah, if, my, if Miami can somehow go eight and four, seven and five this year, I, I, I you know, I, at this point, I think you got to consider that a win. Let's but let's take it one week at a time. You got to win these next three for sure, and then worry about November. Uh, well, and and that's exactly how I'm taking it. And, and I'll leave you with this. I'm not much of an X's and O's guy, but I've been watching college football in Miami consistently for over 20 years. Um, And I said this on another YouTube show when it happened. 
and people didn't want to hear it until they went and looked it up. The vast majority of the time what happens when you bring in an entirely new coaching staff, you tend to have a worse record than you did the year before. And I'll, I'll go yeah. back to Kirby Smart in Georgia as that example. They got to learn the personnel. They got to instill their culture. It's it's a big job, man. No doubt. Absolutely. All right, thank you for being part of the show. Give us, give us a call again next week, okay? I, I got three more guys yeah. I want to try to put in here. I'm going to go a little over time and try to get them in. So uh, give us a call next week. Yes, sir. All right, man. Thank you for being part of the show. Um, J.R. Barr is at it again, man, on the YouTube comments. Why not add packages for Jake? Now, what is the point of that? Jake and Tyler are very similar quarterbacks. You, you, there's, no, there's no package for Jake. And Jake has a big threat with his legs. Not really. <laughs> I mean, Curry Brown would. You know, you want to put a package in, put one in for Jacurry if that's what you want. If you want a quarterback to run around, he would be the guy to do that with. Um, but – you know, Jake and Tyler are, are pretty much the same guy in that regard. So um, that is uh, not 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 necessary. All right, let's go to 904. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hello. Yes, sir, that's you. Who's this? This is Stefan. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Stefan? What do you got for us, man? Hey, I was just wondering. You know, Camp last week game, Cam Kitchens was, you know, messing up. What's going on with Avante Williams? Why they won't play him more? Um, the problem that you're seeing with the guys that are playing, I think, is is a bigger problem with Avante. Quite frankly, um, you know, reliability, you know, being able to put him out there and 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 know that he's going to do the right things and hold up or whatever, and um. It just seems like he's a little bit out of favor right now for, you know, whatever reason. And um, the truth is the love affair with Avante is very typical of what I was talking about earlier. Like what, uh, you know, and I wish the best for Avante and I hope he develops into a great player. But what has he done at the University of Miami to warrant people in the community, in the fan base or whatever, um, just uh, assuming that he should be on the field right now. I mean, like, you know, that is a, that is the a big problem in the whole culture of Miami football that I see. There's just way too much smoke being blown on way too many guys who don't come in and work hard enough and earn their place and, and, and earn their reputation. Um, a guy makes a big hit and it's just assumed that he is the next superstar safety. Well, um, Trust me, nobody's playing so great that they're looking to hold anybody back. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you know, even, even James, even well, you know, Kinchin screwed up last week. Even James Williams is. I mean, is he changing any games? I mean, he's doing okay. Yeah, yeah. That but, was my next question about him because I see him miss a lot of tackles. And you know, I remember that guy. I can't remember his name. He's from Virginia. He was talking about it the week before, well, two weeks ago. He was like. You know, James Williams is five star. He don't, and I sat there and just really, like, really looked at him and watched him. It was a one play he could have made a tackle for a two yard loss, and the guy got the first down. I don't know if you remember that play, but it was like in the first or second quarter. And I was like, he's absolutely right. He don't make plays when he need to make. He's not plays. changing any games. He's not making a difference in winning and losing. So, like, they're not holding anybody back. Trust me. Right. And, and P.S. in the YouTube comments makes the point, no way this team is number 13 in the country in talent 
And with all respects to the people that do those rankings, I can assure you there is no way this team right now is number 13 in the country in talent. No, 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 no. That was hype. But one other thing I want to get to, uh, I totally agree with you about the rotations, especially on defense. Those two defense, the, um, the two transfers from UCLA, those two guys, especially number 40, I think his name is Johnson, that guy need to play more because that guy is he, he's pretty good. Along with all, um, yeah, that's one of the ones I've been a little surprised about. I, I thought he would be, yeah. be be rise to the top very quickly. I don't understand why he doesn't play more. Um, yeah, but they I know they've been pretty happy with Corey Flag. As hard as that is to believe, I mean Corey Flag apparently is doing a lot of things right out there. And um, yeah, he do he do good. I, I like him. But the, the two tra- the two transfers from UCLA, they really good players. They they really been balling. But like you said, they wrote they got too many guys playing. Maybe they should knock down to maybe about four guys. I don't know because they got a lot of rotation, and they don't get enough time to get in there and get a rhythm of, you know. I mean, I, I haven't seen Matador on an IV after a game yet. You know, like yeah, I, I remember, yeah. seeing, I remember seeing Dan Morgan on an IV at halftime of Florida State. I mean, we used to yeah. play big games, and and half the team would be on IVs at halftime in the locker room. I don't, I don't see that anymore. Yeah. I, I don't see anybody yeah, don't exhausted that they can't handle more reps. So, um, if me watching, observing, that would be one of the adjustments that I would suggest for the second half of the season. Identify your best players, give them more reps, have them on the field more. Oh yeah, and all, uh, and this is the last thing I wanted to address. So. I know Jacoby George and um and the other guy, I can't remember his name right now, number seven. But those two guys and um and Young and Lassen, they 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 probably the four best guys on that roster as far as on, on receiver. And mm-hmm. um they need to play a lot more. They need to well, they, are. they need to play them guys a lot more. Yeah. They are, but I, I don't know that any of those guys is changing the game either. You know, they're 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 yeah. they're, they're playing. Yeah, they playing. Oh, one other thing I want I want to ask you about: Do you agree with Gaddis being the receiver coach and the offensive coordinator? Would it made it would it would it made him um would have made a better make most sense for them to get a receiver coach so he ain't got to be handling two duties like that? Uh, he's got a couple guys helping with the receivers. Uh, you know, a couple the analysts and GAs. Um, I you know, listen, I I prefer the offensive coordinator coaching the quarterbacks because of what what it entails. Uh, But I'm not in there every day uh, seeing the interaction between Gaddis and Frank Ponce and and the quarterbacks and how they're all working together. So it's hard for me to comment on that. Um, If you ask me what my preference would be, it would be that the offensive coordinator coach the quarterback. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I, you know, that's what I agree on, but you know, Hey, I'm not. I ain't making a decision. So, but I, I just want to let everybody know. Hey, this ain't nothing to be panicking about. This team is gonna be fine in the future. So I don't want everybody to be, you know, panicking. They gonna be fine. So. All right, man. Hey, uh, thanks for being. All right, thank you. Let's go to the three five two. You're live on Team Sport Live. Three five two. You with us? Going once, twice, three times. All right, final call of the night. Let's go to 786. You are live on Kingsport Live. Gary, my friend, how are you? 
Hey, what's up, everything? I'm used to you at the beginning, not the end, but uh, take us home, man. What you got? Yeah, busy, 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 busy. But, uh, hey, listen, I just wanted real quick to extend uh, well wishes to Mike through K, man. I hope tomorrow everything goes well with your surgery and your recovery. So hang in there, man. Hopefully uh, K's going to win for you on Saturday. But, uh, Gary, real quick, uh, I'm not even going to talk about last weekend. Um, I am hoping that uh, we start the game on offense the same way we ended this past game. And and what I mean by that is last week we tried the first three possessions. We tried to stick to the run, make the run everything coming uh, emanating from the run. I hope it's the other way around. Uh, We've talked about this throughout the last couple of weeks. This team, you've got to play to the ability and strength and skill set, and that's throwing the ball. That's not the other way around. And I think that they finally bought in. They had to buy in. That's the only way we can compete. Um, and hopefully they won't be so stubborn that they're going to always start the game trying to make sure they can get the run going. Because every possession counts, Gary. Uh, you can't take anything for granted. Regardless of what DNA you want, no, regardless of what identity you want to have, but what you do have, you know, isn't consistent with that. You've got to make those changes. And I just hope uh, up in Blacksburg on, on Saturday that we start the game that way offensively. And and, and last thing is when you look at the matchups, listen, you look at Vodtech's, uh defensive stats, Gary, at team defensive stats, they're in the top ten in a lot of categories. Uh, so this is this is not going to be a cakewalk. I know they gave up a ton of yardage on the ground to, to pit. But when you look at Pitt's offensive line and our offensive, our offensive line, it's, they're they're not they're nowhere close to being similar to each other. So uh, their pressure packages that that coach brings in, I know he was at Penn State for a while. I mean, look for a lot of different games, but every time that that we try to go to a condensed formation or a compact formation, that gives the defense more opportunities to be more creative and more aggressive with their budget in a confined space. So hopefully we do. They spread. We don't go to those confined sets because that's been really when we've been exploited. And he's always done that. Gaddis has done that on third and fourth down a lot. That's something we got to get away from, especially early on. So I just hope we continue to play that way. When you look at our strength, I would say our defensive line is our strength, and that's going to match up well with with Vodtech's offensive line. I think our defense will play a little bit safer. Uh, and, and we should be able to keep things in front and, and make that quarterback make uh, really, really good plays inside the red zone. You do that, you hold them. I think uh, it's, it'll be a close game. But, again, I don't see our offense throwing for, you know, 500 yards again. Uh, Vodtech's a much better defense, Gary. All right, everything. Got to just find a way to win. I don't care. I don't care how it happens. Just got to, just got to find a way this week and, and get things back on track. Well, I am predicting a Keyshawn Smith big-time return on specials, so I am predicting that, Gary. All right, man. Um, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, G. Be well. Take care. Thanks, thanks for being part of the show. All right, guys, that's going to do it for tonight. Thank you, everybody, for calling in, participating. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, program note, tomorrow night, we got the Lamar Thomas show. Lamar's putting together uh, a good guest list for that. So hope you'll be able to join us uh, tomorrow night for the Lamar Thomas show tomorrow morning. Good morning, Kane sport. And uh, we'll march onward from there as we work the week and uh, get ready for the weekend. Um, 
So thanks once again for listening tonight, and we'll see you next time, everybody.